Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Hey, good morning, Awaken Church. It is fantastic to see you this morning. Hopefully uh, you're uh, having a great morning at home or wherever you are watching this. Uh, this is Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving. And as a result, we are going to be talking about uh, generosity, or having a heart of generosity. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, before we do that, um, I'm sure you're aware that uh, COVID has really revealed uh, a lot of people's characters. Uh, you know, they're really who they are because, uh, you know, we're, we're going through a difficult time and that helps us see really what is in our hearts. And so uh, we've been seeing people's character revealed through COVID-19. So I think in a lot of ways, that's a, a very positive thing that's going on right now. Uh, except, of course, if your character isn't in the right place. So I was... Uh, Shopping for a flannel uh, this week. I like my flannels, and I decided I was going to try out Duluth Trading Company. And so I uh, went in there, and I left my mask in uh, my truck. If you're like me, I've got like a collection of 30 masks in my truck. Is you know you get a free one everywhere you go, and so I've got all these masks. But I just walked in the store. I wasn't thinking about it, and uh, you know didn't have my mask on. And you know no problem. There's a box of them sitting there, and so I, I go to put it on, and this must have been like a, a child's mask. Uh, you know all the other masks that I've tried on, they fit me fine. So I don't think I have like an abnormally large head at least physically, and so I put this mask on, and it only, you know, I, I could put it on one ear, but it was like coming to this point on my other ear, and so I just, I, you know, there was nothing I could do. I just, I started, uh, well, sorry, there was something I, did, I could do, but I decided I was just going to go take a quick look at their flannels. I was just going to be in and out, and so I started walking into the store without my mask on, and I was stopped by an employee, and uh, they said, hey, you need to have your mask on if you're going to be in the store. I said, you know, I explained to them the situation, and they went and got me another mask, and uh, I was getting a little bit frustrated with the situation. I'm just thinking, you know, why why haven't they tried on one of these masks to see to make sure that they actually work for, for our people? And, you know, I tried this other one, and it's from this exact same box, so it doesn't work either. It's the same size, so... I just did this sarcastic thing. I hung one mask from this year, and I hung the other mask from this year, and I just walked back, and I looked at the flannels, and I got I had another employee that confronted me and said, hey, you can't be in here without a mask on. I said, look, I, you know, they don't fit. I've got a problem. And uh, I was just about to start making some, um, you know, comments out of frustration, and I thought, oh, man. 
this is my my heart is not in the right place. I'm you know I don't I don't think these these employees are uh, are you know political agents trying to uh, bring me down. And uh, here I am getting frustrated with them for just executing store policy and so on. And so you know I, I uh, one of the questions I ask when I'm um, you know in these situations I think well would my church be proud of how I am acting right now? And uh, I thought. You know, I'm not sure uh, if they would be or not, but I, I know my heart is not in the right place because, you know, I'm about to to uh, make some derogatory comments or something, some kind of comments out of frustration. So, you know, I I said, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out to my truck and I'll I'll get a mask that, that will fit me. And so, and I ended up just leaving the store because on the way out, I looked at the finals. But um, anyways... COVID is just revealing so much about uh, our hearts, what is, what is going on inside of us, because it's a difficulty. Uh, there are all kinds of different views about things, and so there's just a lot of confusion. And so it's really revealing what is going on inside. Uh, one of the incredible things about our church community that I've experienced is our church community's generosity through the season of COVID, starting with, I think, uh, either the day before our initial hunker down in March or, or uh, the day, the first day into it, uh, I received a phone call from somebody who said, hey, I'm going to uh, make this uh, donation and I want it to go towards uh, people, anybody who is struggling during COVID because, uh, you know, during the hunker down because a lot of businesses were going to be shut down and so a lot of people were going to be out of their jobs. And so this person's initial response was, I need to give. And uh, I, that, that just kind of uh, blew me away right away because I'm thinking, okay, you know, the government's telling us to shut down. This is going to, you know, kill our economy. And there is this person who they're not worried about their own financial well-being. They are worried about people who are going to be in need as a result. So their first reaction to financial crisis was generosity. And that uh, inspired me. That kind of uh, just blew my mind and, and set a tone uh, for me, a perspective for me. And uh, really... That was just the beginning of it. After that, so many conversations and really throughout this entire time, I've heard from so many people, hey, if you know of somebody who's in need, please let me know. And uh, I've been able to be on the inside of, um, you know, facilitating other people's uh, generosity. And it's been uh, really a, an incredible thing to see uh, what, is, what is happening uh, within the church. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, this uh, idea of anonymity and all this. And so, uh, you know, I get a, a, privilege, a privileged look at uh, people's hearts uh, in our church. And uh, I am I'm thrilled uh, with what I see. So, um, we all like the idea of being generous. I think, like... As I started that story and told you that story, I'm guessing that in your mind and in your heart, you probably had the reaction of, I would like for that to be me. I would like to be 
that kind of person who is generous even when things appear to be difficult. Or maybe some of us are thinking, I would just like to be generous when things are really good. I'd like to start there. Uh, but I, you know, I think most of us like the idea of being generous. You know, if somebody walks up to you on the street and says, hey, would you rather be a really generous person or would you rather be a tight-fisted total curmudgeon? I think most of us, probably above 90% somewhere, would say, oh, I think I like the idea of being a generous person. Because I think we know internally that we're, we're more satisfied with who we are uh, when we act in generous ways. And so 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth and encouraging them to complete the giving of their gift to the church in Jerusalem, which was uh, trying to help people who were suffering uh, through a significant famine in that area. And so the Apostle Paul is going to the Gentile churches, that uh, some of which he has established, and uh, he is going through those that network of churches. Uh, there are different sort of estimations about how big the Christian movement was at this point when, when the letter of 2 Corinthians was written. Some people believe it was 100,000. Some people believe it was 2 million. And so we don't really know at this point exactly how big the network of churches was, but Paul was going around and he was collecting offerings from these various churches and he's um, setting it up so he takes it back to Jerusalem and then they can um, disperse the funds and help people uh, through this uh, famine that is in that area. So that's the, that's the general idea. And uh, there are two churches mentioned in this passage. One is the church in Macedonia. And then, of course, the church in, in Corinth is the church, is the audience. And so um, we're going to see what we can learn this morning from the Church of Macedonia. So uh, this is uh, Paul's sort of opening salvo as he is wanting to inspire and motivate and encourage the church at Corinth to complete the giving that they have begun. So he starts, he says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. And so uh, the first thing that we can learn from the Macedonians about being generous, right, about moving beyond just liking the idea of generosity to actually being generous. So, you know, to clarify the difference, uh, for example, uh, my parents always accused me um, early, you know, my early adulthood of liking the idea of owning a dog rather than actually owning the dog. And uh, the reason they said that is because uh, just before I left for college, they bought a, a boxer puppy for me. And, uh, you know, I had it for about eight weeks or so, and then I went off to college. And uh, when I came back, uh, it was four days before I asked, hey, where's Musket? That was the name of the, the uh, boxer dog. I said, hey, where's Musket? Where's, where's my dog? And uh, they uh, just, you know, kind of got on the floor rolling in laughter because it had been four days since I had been home. They had sold the dog 
two months previous because it had destroyed their fence and they were tired of dealing with it. And I had not been asking about it. And so, you know, they realized I just like the idea of owning a dog, not actually owning a dog. And I think we want to move beyond the idea of being generous to actually being generous. Hopefully we want to do that. And that's what Paul is really encouraging the church at Corinth to do, to move beyond the idea of being generous, to actually having a heart of compassion that fulfills itself in sacrificial, generous giving. And so the first thing we learn from this church in Macedonia is that problems and poverty don't dictate attitude and action. Problems and poverty, they do not dictate attitudes and action. So Paul is starting off, hey, let me tell you about the church in Macedonia. These people are living in poverty. And as we, you know, we look at the Roman Empire during this time, we can see that the area of Macedonia was very impoverished. It was, a, it was not a desirable area to live. Uh, it was, um, you know, the, the ghetto, one of the ghettos of the Roman Empire. Corinth, however, was very wealthy. Uh, that was the, you know, the up, one of the upper class areas of the Roman Empire. And so he is telling the, this church at Corinth, hey, let me tell you about what is going on in Macedonia. These people are incredible. They are living in poverty, but they have heard that there is a need, and they are responding to this need with not just generosity, but with joy, right? They are... They are loving, giving generously out of difficulty, out of poverty, out of struggle. They are loving the opportunity to participate. And so that's good news for us, right? Regardless of our situation, regardless of how difficult it is, it doesn't dictate our own attitude. It does not dictate our own action. This is a different spin on freedom in Christ, right? With Christ, we are free from our past sins, uh, but we are also free to do extraordinary things in difficult circumstances. Verse 3, Paul says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it, of their own free will. And so uh, Paul is saying, look, I've assessed their financial situation and there is no way that they should be giving this amount of money. I don't know, you know, Paul's like saying, I don't know where they came up with this money from. This is extraordinary. They, they dug deep. It's so clear that, that they really, really wanted to give because they dug deep to give. And not just that, they gave joyfully. So it's possible to do inspiring things in difficult circumstances. It's possible to do inspiring things in difficult circumstances. Uh, let's look quickly at Luke 21, where uh, Jesus is uh, sitting at the temple. And... Uh, you know, people are doing their thing at the temple and, you know, they're bringing sacrifices, they're different forms of worship. 
one of the things that happens at the temple is that, you know, basically there's a, a big offering box. And um, one, of the, one of the social activities was to watch people give. So if you can imagine this scenario, probably a bit comical in our day, but there would be a group gathering around and they would watch people come in and give. And uh, the scene generally was somebody who had a significant amount of money would walk in and that would be apparent by their clothing. That would be apparent by the way that they carried themselves. Everybody would know, oh, this is somebody who has significant resources. And so, obviously, when somebody who has significant resources is walking towards the offering box, guess what? There's going to be an audience paying attention because everybody wants to know how much are they going to give. And so, you can imagine the dynamics that were created in this situation. By the way, ultra religious culture, a culture that was um, actually obsessed with tithing, if you could imagine that. And uh, Jesus Jesus confronts this in this story, but they were obsessed with tithing. And so the scene would be that this very wealthy person would probably walk slowly to the offering box because the slower they walk, the more attention that they would garner. And you see, if they could garner enough attention, then they, they would be elevated in status in their community, right? And then they would walk up to this offering box. They would slowly pull out their purse of money, probably, you know, jingle it around a little bit, get some, some audio effects going, make sure people knew that there was a significant thing that was about to happen and that they were going to be the person to, you know, do this incredible act of faith. And, you know, they would slowly start dropping these coins and, and make sure that uh, they were visible, make sure that their giving was visible to the people around them. So that's the general scene. Luke 21, verse 1. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And so uh, the, the coins that this widow dropped in would be like pennies in our day. Um, so she, you know, imagine her dropping two pennies into the offering box. Now, before we go further, if you're in that scene, if you're in the crowd, and you see this poor old lady come up and drop two pennies into the offering box, what's going through your mind? What are you thinking? You might be thinking, what is even the point? I mean, why is this woman making this effort to come from wherever she came from to drop in these two completely meaningless pennies? I mean, like, how many of you even pick up pennies when you see them on the sidewalk? I remember uh, one time being chastised heavily by my grandmother for not picking up pennies as I, you know, walked along. Uh, but, uh, you know, how many of us, we see pennies on the ground, do we even pick them up? So, so maybe one of our thoughts is, man, completely meaningless. That offering was completely meaningless. 
Or, you know, just what does this lady think she is doing? She's, if, if she only has the means to give two pennies, what in the world is she doing giving them in the first place? I mean, I don't know what two pennies can buy you at the grocery store, but whatever it can buy you, that's what you need to do. What in the world are you doing giving in this situation? I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. What an incredible, incredible moment. And it proves that it's possible to do inspiring things in the most difficult circumstances. So, maybe you are in a difficult circumstance. What inspiring thing can you do? What generous thing can you do how can you give in an incredible way even in difficult circumstances it's possible to do inspiring things in difficult circumstances and let me be clear i am not trying to manipulate people who are in poverty to give their remainder to the church and hope that something miraculous happens. That is not what I'm trying to do. But the lesson for us to learn is that even in difficult and desperate circumstances, there is a concern that God has. He is concerned that our heart is full of generosity and full of a desire to make him our primary Pursuit. Verses 4 and 5. Continuing to talk about the church in Macedonia. He says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They begged us. Verse 5. Verse 5. They even did more than that. More than We had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we see that surrender to God causes us to do strange things, causes us to do strange things when we're fully surrendered to God. We end up doing things that blow people's minds. I mean, imagine this group of people, this church in Macedonia, this church that's, you know, basically a church of poor people. And they are, they are, are begging, like they're being persistent. No, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of this. We, we want to give generously beyond our means in order to help meet the needs of those people in Jerusalem. I mean, what an extraordinary scene. They are, they are begging, like they're grabbing their clothes. They're not letting them go. No, I want to give. How long has it been since our hearts, if they have ever been at that stage, were in that place where we were begging to give, to participate in the thing that God was calling us to participate in? 
Surrender to God causes us to do strange, strange things. Uh, Heidi and I have been uh, blessed financially over the years. I'll just say that. And there have been times where we have had this, you know, sort of unique experience where we have had money sitting in the bank that we had really, we certainly had no need for. And we kind of went through and thought, okay, there are things we, we could buy. There are things that, you know, would be nice, but really there's, there weren't even things that we really wanted. We just had money there. And we decided to give that money. And uh, that's a fantastic experience to just release your resources to God, to trust him with those things and to see that people are being helped in some significant way and to know that when they receive those funds that they are gonna give glory and honor to God because of something that, that we did. I mean, that's, that's an incredible experience, but it is, it is nothing like what is being described here. These are people who are in very difficult situations. They, they just don't have much at all. And they are, they are begging for an opportunity to give generously out of that situation. I just, I think I'm a long, long ways from that kind of mindset. And so Paul is using this as, as an example to inspire the people of Corinth who they have means, they have resources, they have stuff to give, they have all kinds of extra. And Paul is saying, look, look at these guys, look at their heart. Their heart is in such the right place. What would it look like if your heart was in the right place? How incredible would that be if in your abundance, your heart was in the right place? Well, what in the world would cause somebody to surrender to God so much that even out of poverty, they would seek to give abundantly? What could it be? In verse nine, Paul reminds us, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. It's very simple. It's the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf who had unlimited abundance, making himself, bringing himself to a place of poverty on our behalf so that we could experience his incredible abundance. That is our inspiration. That is our model. If we're to follow Christ, to step into the invitation that God has given to us, that is what the Christian life looks like. That is when we know our heart is in the right place when we are willing to leave our place of wealth and abundance and enter into poverty ourselves so that the people who are in need can be provided for. So I have a couple of questions for you. Um, it would be fantastic if you were willing to uh, post on our website or uh, on Facebook in response to these questions. The two questions are, number one, do you need to surrender a hard heart to God? Do you need to surrender 
a hard heart to God. I know that for me, this is an ongoing process. I will have moments of generosity where I really see that somebody is in need. I, I really see their issue or I really see a way in which I could just bless somebody and I'll step into that almost, you know, without thinking about it and just, uh, just step into that and enjoy being generous fully. But then I have other moments where I see a need and where I know my heart is totally callous and I know before they even start talking, I'm just gonna say no to this person or to this situation. Uh, I have to say, you know, as a pastor, I'm, I uh, get into lots of conversations where people are asking for help. And it's not just individual people, it is uh, organizations. You know, if you're uh, a uh, Christian parachurch organization in Anchorage, you're probably gonna try to uh, get a meeting with me or you know, with the pastors in town so that you can try to persuade those pastors, those churches to, to give to their organization. So you know, I hear a lot of presentations and, and uh, you, know, you put that on top of individual people who are in need and, and telling me their story. Sometimes I can get exhausted and I can uh, grow a callous heart towards these things. And, and so I, I kind of go through uh, phases and, and have different seasons where sometimes I'm just being generous and I'm, I'm pouring things out and I'm letting people borrow things. I'm, I'm giving all that I can give and uh, I'm, I'm just pouring out. And other times my heart is, is callous and hard and closed and I'm more interested in uh, pursuing things for myself and so on. So where are we at on that? Do we, do you need to surrender a hard heart to God? And the second question is this, how is God challenging you to give? What strange thing is God asking you to do? As you look at your own life situation, as you look at your finances, as you consider what brings meaning and value and significance what is God challenging you to do? How is God challenging you to have a generous heart where you're putting others' interests before your own, where you're willing to step into poverty so that other people might have? What strange thing is God challenging you to do? Well, I'm gonna close by praying for you and for myself that God would give us hearts of generosity as we uh, you know, celebrate Thanksgiving this week and think about the ways, all the ways in which God has abundantly blessed us. Um, I wanna pray that God would work within us so that our hearts might be overflowing with the generosity of God. So join me in prayer. Uh, Father, we pray that you would help us look again upon the cross, look a bit again upon the work of Jesus your work on our behalf. Father, help us to see the incredible generosity that you have poured out on us and help us not to hesitate for one moment when we are put in a place where we have the means to meet a need. Father, I pray that as we celebrate a hall of your provision in our lives, even through COVID, I pray that you would build that heart into us, build your heart into us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, We will uh, very much look forward to seeing you guys online next week. Until then, have a happy Thanksgiving and uh, we'll look for your posts and comments uh, on on Facebook and on our website. So see you guys. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and we will see you next week.